This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Jesus, My Son, Mary's Journal of Jesus' Early Life. And the author is Mary Bailey, and Mary joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Mary. Hi, Steve. How are you? Well, great to have you with us. A very uh, different kind of perspective on Jesus' early life, his early years, uh, from his birth till his ministry at 30. Uh, but let me read what you have written, just to kind of set the theme of what we're going to talk about for everyone. You say this, Have you ever wondered how Jesus lived the first 30 years of his life? In Jesus My Son, Mary's journal of Jesus' early life, Mary takes us on a journey of those early years as seen through the eyes of his mother. She offers a new perspective of the incidents of the birth documented by Matthew and Luke and introduces events that may have happened in those years between the miraculous birth and the time Jesus leaves home to begin his ministry. An inspirational, easy-to-read narrative written only as a mother can, deeply from her heart. And what we're talking about here here is Mary's personal journal. What prompted you to do this in this personal way of the way Mary might have uh, kept her own journal? Really, God lit a spark in my heart one night during a sermon. The preacher was talking about Mary's life and the redemption ceremony. And I got to thinking, I thought, Mary's life was so much different than what she thought it was going to be. When the angel Gabriel appeared to her, he promised her son would have the throne of David. She imagined that she would live a luxurious life in a mansion from Gabriel's announcement. And what really happened at this redemption ceremony, Jesus was about six weeks old at the time, and she was offering a sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice of the poor. So I thought about this. I think, here she is. She's holding this king, this redeemer of the Jews, our savior. And all she can afford is the sacrifice of the poor. And I knew, I just thought her life, her whole life was so different. So I went home that day and I just started writing. I just took things like the gospel, the harmony of the gospels. And I took those and I just started writing journal events about them. And then when I really started putting together as a, as a book, I thought, I want more. I want more than what's in the Bible. I want to know more myself about what his life was. And we know nothing about it. Those first 30 years, the only thing we know about that time frame is the, the two years of his birth and then the one incident when he was 12 years old at the temple. And I thought, I want to know how he lived. I want to know the food he ate, the clothes he wore, the house he lived in, the games he played. What really happened during that time? And so I started doing a lot of research. I, I did more research than I ever thought I was capable of doing. I would do a search on Jesus's, uh, the customs during Jesus' time, the gangs during Jesus' time, and I found all kinds of information. And I just applied that to Jesus' life as I thought Mary would have looked at it. And then as things happened in my life, like I had seven grandchildren during the time, and I started looking at things that happened to them when they lost their first two, 
They took their first step. They said their first word. They ran a race. They started the school. When they did all that, I went back and I researched how Jesus would do that. So I took everyday happenings of a typical mother today and applied it to how Jesus' mother would have reviewed those incidents. Well, you have a... You have an interesting question. Of, you said, did Jesus perform miracles while living at home? Well, I believe he did, and I'm using scripture to justify that. I use scripture as much as I can in everything I do. I just look at it from Mary's point of view. And it's amazing how different some of those verses become when you look at it through Mary's point of view. There are lots of things I would have never even given a thought about until I started really digging deep. I had to, I had to dig deep into the scripture. I had to look at the scripture as the way it was written. And as far as the miracles in home, when you look at that first public miracle Jesus performed, it's really kind of amazing. First of all, that wedding, when he turned the water to wine, it was his first public miracle. That wedding had to be very important to Mary because she was so concerned about the wine. Most people, as guests at a wedding, aren't concerned about the wine, but Mary was concerned about the shortage of the wine because at that time it was a disgrace to run out of wine at any kind of special ceremony like that. And all she did, she turned to Jesus and she said, they're out of wine. She didn't ask him anything. She just simply made a statement and said, they're out of wine. And Jesus replied and had said, it's not my time yet. Why are you bothering me with this? And then Mary did a very typical motherly thing. She she looked at the servants and said, do what he says. She completely ignored Jesus' answer. It was like he didn't even say anything. She said, do what he says, because she knew. She had seen him perform so much. She knew without a doubt that, that he could do, do this, that he could perform this miracle, that he could change that water to wine. In your book, so did you? That's my scripture. That's my justification right, for right. saying that. Well, in your in your uh, book, in Mary's journal, did you imagine what he might have done? In the, as far as miracles, I sure did. I have been performing a lot of miracles. I know they had a big family. He had uh, five brothers and at least two sisters. We know he had plural sisters. So I gave him two sisters, and you know, as typical families, they had problems going on. They had accidents. In one instance, he heals one of his brother's legs, and nobody knows it. It's just kind of he touches it, and it's healed. Nobody knows it. And then he helps Mary through some very, very trying times, and as any loving son would help his mother. I think Jesus did that for Mary. Now, what about Mary's journal entries when she was first chosen, when she first learned that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God? Well, you can imagine she was probably 13 or 14 years old. And you can imagine as a young teenage girl being, I have her in her morning, in her, kneeling in her room for her morning devotions, and a light suddenly comes through the window and Gabriel appears in the midst of the light, and he gives her the salutation that's, that's in Luke. She's terrified. As any young girl would be, she is terrified. But she is engaged to be married, so she is also excited. She's very excited about the news. 
And this is another incident where I had to really, really dig deep into the scripture because if you look at Matthew's version of what happens after that, and if you look at Luke's version of what happens after that, it's like they're two completely different stories. But in order to create my journal, I had to create a timeline. So I had to fit those pieces together. It was like working a big jigsaw puzzle. And I loved work jigsaw puzzles, so I thoroughly enjoyed this, this process. But it was like putting all these pieces together. It was, it was mind-boggling. It was overwhelming. And sometimes I would think, how in the world can this happen? And Steve, it seemed like every time I got really stuck on a project, and he's really stuck on a question, and I couldn't find an answer, God would provide an answer in most unusual ways. I went to church one night, and I was trying to think, how did Matthew know that Joseph wanted to put her away privately? That's not something Joseph is going to be bragging about. He is not proud of it. After everything is said and done and the angel visits him, he's not proud that he wanted to put her away privately. That would be a, a, an embarrassment to him. So I went to church that night, and the preacher was talking about relationships and family. And he said, it is believed that Joseph had a brother named Alphaeus, and Alphaeus had two sons, Matthew and James. So Matthew could have heard that information from his father, who was Joseph's brother. Because when you're hurting, when you're really hurting, who do you go talk to? You talk to your brother, you talk to your sister, you talk to a very close family member. And it made it all tie in together. It gave me validity for what I was believing. And I applied that to my story. And it, and it worked out so great to know that Matthew had a really good, close relationship with Joseph. And you can look at that whole incident of Matthew in the Bible. And you can see it's from Joseph's point of view. And she had, an, and she had another great, close relationship with Elizabeth. Oh, yes, she did. Elizabeth was her cousin. So, and in my story, they become, they are very good friends, and they become very good friends when she goes to visit Elizabeth. Now, this is another incident where I had to dig really deep in the scripture, because I have heard the Christmas story so many times, and everybody has. I never realized that Mary hurried, and the word is actually hurried in some versions. Some versions, it's made haste, but in any, whatever version you read, you can see that Mary hurried. She hurried to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And why did she hurry? Because Joseph didn't believe her. And there were three options for someone committing adultery. Because if Joseph didn't believe her, the only thing he could have believed was that she had committed adultery. And although they were only engaged at that time, it was really considered a marriage, so if she had had any kind of relations with the man, it would have been considered committing adultery. And Joseph had three options. He could have had her stoned. He could have put her away privately, which is what we know he meant to do through Matthew, but Mary didn't know that at the time. Or he could have married her. Joseph was a very proud man. He wasn't about to marry an adulteress. He knew what heartache that would cause for him. So Mary hurries. And the only justification for her hurrying is she was trying to escape what could have possibly happened to her, which could have been stoning. She didn't stay and celebrate this good news with her parents and her, and her fiancé. She hurried, and that just makes me think she hurried for a reason. There had to be something pushing her.
to hurry to to Judea to visit Elizabeth. And they become good friends. She waits until John's birth before she leaves. And she did that for a reason. God had a plan for her. You know, Steve, God has a plan for everyone. He had a plan for me with this book. He has a plan for you and everyone. God's plan for Mary to go to Elizabeth at that point in time was so she could learn about the birth process. God knew where Mary was going to be when she gave birth to his son. Now, Mary didn't know. Nobody knew. But God knew. And he knew she was going to be all alone. And he wanted her to know as much as she could so that she could give birth as easily as possible. Mary had a very normal birth. Jesus lived a very normal childhood for the first 30 years of his life. That was all a part of God's plan, and that's what he wanted to see there. And that's why he didn't appear to Joseph until after Mary had gone to Judea. If he had, then Joseph would have been just as excited as Mary was when she went to tell him what what happened. Now, of course, we know uh, an account or a statement where people wondered about Jesus when he started his ministry, and they mentioned that, isn't this the carpenter's son? So there must be, Was did Mary share very much about Joseph working uh, with his son Jesus in carpentry, and uh, was did you have that part in there? Oh, Jesus helped Joseph all the time. Jesus was a very good little little son, just like, you know, most sons today are good. Some not quite so, but most of the time they're good. They are helpful. And at that time, sons would have followed in the steps of their fathers. So Joseph was a, I mean, Jesus was a carpenter as long as he was home. He helped his father in the carpentry shop, just like all of his brothers would have. I have him following Joseph, admiring Joseph. I have him helping Joseph. I think Jesus was very smart. I think we all can agree with that. And when Joseph had problems sometimes in calculating for his carpentry work, Jesus would help him out. He would show him how to do things a little bit better sometimes, offer advice. So, yes, Jesus did help Joseph in his carpentry work, and he did other things. As a typical boy, he, he probably learned, he probably played the harp at sometimes. He could have run a pottery mill. He could have done all those things that boys were doing at the time he was growing up. Do you think he hung out with other teenage boys? Of course he did. Of course, I don't think they had drugs and alcohol <laughs> like we do today, but I do think there was a lot of rebellion among the teenage boys at that time, just like there is. I think I think it was very, it's very typical. I apply all that typicalness that we see today to Jesus' life, and he helps, him, he helps some of the boys through some of the hard times. He gives, offers advice. He, he helps them as much as he can, being the person he is. The title of the book, Jesus, My Son, Mary's Journal of Jesus' Early Life, and the author is Mary Bailey. Mary, tell us how to get your book. Well, my website is www.jesusmyson.com. I have email, jesusmyson at live.com. I would love to hear from people. I would love for you to purchase my book. And I have a special, if you order a book on my website, if you order a book, I'll send a copy to put in your church library. My goal, I would love to have my a book, copy of my book in a church in every state. And right now I've got 30, 30 states. So I would love to, if you are the first person from any of those states I don't have, I will send a copy for you to put in your church library. 
and I would love to see that done. Mary, thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Well, thank you very much, Steve. I enjoyed it. That was Mary Bailey. She is the author of her book, Jesus My Son, Mary's Journal of Jesus' Early Life. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of Changing the World One Invention at a Time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems, and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence, and more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to thinktech, that's T-E-K, globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guests teach us how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time with author and inventor Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 central on toginet.com. Was sad, right? Cause he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No, nope. the wives never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wave your hands. Look who's on. It's the code of man Keith, and he's number one. It's that Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, that Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine, and the show, go to his website, KeithWanWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Don't miss that Keith Wan Show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, There's an Elephant in My Bathtub. And the author, Art Miramontes, along with his son, Arturo Miramontes, who did the illustrations. Hello, Art, and welcome to this segment of Author Talk. How you doing, Steve? Uh, very, very glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. There's an elephant in my bathtub. Now, this goes back a couple years with your son, Andre, who's got a great imagination. Tell us how all this came about. Um, my, all, my, all my kids actually have incredible imaginations. Um, Andres has a, uh, a vivid, just an incredible, wild imagination. Um, in this particular story here, my son, actually, Arturo, uh, came up with the idea um, about putting something together uh, and that was based just on observations of my son, Andres, because, again, Andres, you know, kids love to play pretend and talk to themselves and do just uh, just a bunch of little crazy things around the house. Uh, uh, he observed them um, uh, in, in his journey and trying to, take a, trying to take a bath and the things that he would say and come up with. And uh, one day he said, this, this would make a great story, Dad. What do you think? Um, 
my wife, who is also a, a published author, you know, kind of talked to her, and she gave us some ideas, so we kind of collaborated. Uh, my son started to jot some notes down, and, uh, you know, it just blossomed into this just uh, uh, fun, vivid, colorful story um, about, uh, about Andres trying to take a bath. Of course, of course, you know, you can't take a bath just with, a, with an elephant. There's got to be a whole lot more animals around, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just he, his imagination again is so creative that uh, you know it starts off with the uh, um, with an elephant and we introduce a giraffe uh, kind of midway and uh, before you know it there's an alligator staring at him watching him uh, brush his teeth and uh, um, toward the very end we have monkeys springing out of the laundry basket um, you know water splashing all over the place. Uh, as mom comes up to uh, identify what what's going on, what's happening, um, and and sees the big mess around the bathroom and the bathtub, and uh, realizes that he's just kind of kidding around. He's just playing pretend and imagining that uh, he's encountering all these wild animals. And uh, um, w- when we write the story, it's kind of in a it's in a rhyme form. So you've got rhymes, and you've also got some counting that happens throughout the story. Um, Again, and it ends up, and he kind of wraps it up saying, it's just my imagination, so it's got a very cute ending to it. And, of course, with a children's book, illustrations, as you've already mentioned, play such an important part, but it's also very challenging to uh, uh, connect with the words, the rhyme, and it works. It just is uh, It's very creative. Um, Arturo's been, um, uh, who illustrated the book, um, he's been drawing since he was two. I mean, he literally he's been drawing since he was uh, a young a young little man, and um, uh, we noticed that he just had an amazing talent. And when we put the story together, we we actually did some storyboards. Um, so the the story or the pictures illustrations changed various times um, throughout this whole process until we felt we were until we felt we had it right, and until we felt the words were connecting with the pictures. Um, and we tried to um, make them very simple. We kept them very simple. Um, there's times where, you know, you can use um, some software and, and digitize them a little bit. But uh, we try to keep them very simple so that the kids can really relate to something that, you know, they would do. It's, it's that kind of, uh, that level of drawing, I would say. Um, but it, it really, they really stand out. They're very colorful. We made sure they, they had a lot of color in them. And the illustrations certainly matched the uh, storyline, so. And the whole goal here is to encourage kids to continue to read and, and to really develop good reading habits because that's so important as uh, for children is, you know, to lay that groundwork. If kids read and, and love it, then they're probably going to do it throughout their lives. We, we really do. We, um, the way we're messaging the book is it's a read-along. We want parents, we want to encourage you know, family time as well. We want to encourage the parents to read along and support and help their kids so that they develop those skills which are the basic foundation of learning. So it's very key that, um, you know, the whole family contributes into the success of the child. Um, with, that, with that, we also encourage them, we also encourage academics, uh, encourage the importance of creativity and imagination. So th- there's actually two messages. One, again, is the creativity and imagination within the book, but um, we also have, are conducting uh, presentations at local elementary schools um, 
and we also get that platform to um, to talk to the kids about education and about you know commitment, you know staying in school and focus. So this this book actually opens a lot of doors for us to communicate a lot of great messages to kids, um, and we've got quite a few schools that are jumping on board um, with the presentation as well as obviously promoting the book, but. I think the message is, the key message is, is in the presentations where we're actually at the schools talking and touching the lives of 900 students, um, which is pretty phenomenal. So that's exciting. The title of the book, There's an Elephant in My Bathtub, and it's just the beginning, right? Uh, many books to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have um, the two more that are going to be coming out in March of 2011. Um, again, one is about the um, a young knight, and that one's very um, that one's actually my favorite, just because it was a story that was written 20 years ago um, when my son was born. Uh, my wife actually put it together, and we're sort of upgrading it. And um, uh, it, it's a wonderful story. It's it's the traditional good versus evil. Um, we have a, a young a young knight that develops and matures and takes on an evil dragon. Um, and there's a lot of uh, learnings and a lot of little lessons throughout the story, which just make it uh, uh, very entertaining for the kids. Um, the illustrations are, are very, very good. Um, I would say they're an upgrade from this book in that they're very... Um, they're very well defined and very well structured and, and meet meet the storyline. Um, so that's one that's going to be coming out and we're extremely excited about. And the second one, which will be, will be following that one, will be um, Captain Iguana and the Lost Treasure. Um, and it's just about a young boy who also dreams about being a pirate and the adventures of finding treasure and all the adventures that go along with finding the treasure. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a it's a really fun book that also uh, um, extends the uh, the child to use his imagination um, and have fun with it as well. So, looking forward to those two books. Do you have a website, Art? I do, I do, uh, Steve. Uh, my, my website is www.miramontesbooks.com. That's M I R A M O N T E S books b-o-o-k-s.com and it gives you just a, a very simple website it, tell, it talks a little bit about us um, talks about the story uh, the upcoming books um, there's a, certainly a way to get a hold of me um, for any questions or comments um, as well as uh, there's an order page where you can order there's an elephant in my bathtub um, so it's it's a pretty simple uh, website, but it's got all the information needed to uh, you know order the book and get a hold of me and, and uh, add any uh, comments that you you uh, you may have or even ideas or suggestions. We're certainly open to uh, things like that as we develop and roll out and create more stories. Um, would certainly like feedback from our our readers and see how you know their interest level and uh, just uh, love to hear from them. There's an elephant in my bathtub. The author, Art Miramontes, along with his son, Arturo, as the illustrator. Art, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Jim. That was Art Miramontes. He is the author of his children's book, There's an Elephant in My Bathtub.
You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Soft as Iron. And the author is Giovanna Lavinia. And Giovanna joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Giovanna. Hi, Steve. How you doing? Well, good to have you with us. And we're going to talk about I, Soft as Iron, which is based on your life, but it's done in kind of a novel way. It's uh, We're going to talk about Vanna and what she has gone through. Let me read a couple things you have written. And we'll find out why from you then, why you have written your book and done it in this way. You say this, there are books that talk about abandonment or abusive spouses or rape or adventure, suspense, etc. In my book, you'll find all of this and more. All I can say is that women who have read it told me that while reading my book, they have cried, laughed, and even felt scared. If someone thinks that his or her life is too burdensome, my book can make them realize that their life, in fact, is easy. Some told me so. Well, your life has been full of, obviously, many challenges and, um, and success. Uh, why did you take this approach? Why did you write your book in this way, Giovanna? Oh, well, of course, if I wrote my biography in first person, um, I was afraid that people won't be interested in uh, uh, reading the life of a person which is not known for any reason specific. Uh, so, a specific reason, but then uh, um, writing that uh, as a novel uh, um, interests people much better. That's what I thought anyway. And uh, it does work that way. People now, like it that way. Now, you were born before World War II, and you were born out of wedlock, and this caused 
problems for you. At that time, uh, the, uh, the feeling about your birth was even a challenge to members of your family that you were born out of wedlock. Well, tell us about that. At that time, that was a shame, not only very shameful, not only for uh, the child, but for uh, the mother, not for the father, because men never pay for their sin or their wrongdoing. But uh, a mother by society and religion, uh, it was uh, became a very um, shameful, and uh, the child does feel that uh, and suffer through out life. Actually myself, I never forgive I never forgive myself for being born because my I had to witness my mother life how she was ashamed about me and the children feel things even if they don't tell them. But uh, uh, but also the um, my mother' uh, attitude toward, toward life uh, and toward what I was doing and what I was not doing was uh, uh, terrible because she was always afraid that I would commit her same errors and uh, I would suffer for the consequences like she had done, you know what I mean. And so that, that was very, very daring for for me as a child. And until I was about 45, 50, I couldn't overcome that feeling of, of feeling guilty. So you were born in Italy. I was born in Italy. And then uh, since my parents uh, were... Uh, um, treating me like uh, a prisoner, actually, because until 23 I was not able to go out alone until I got married. And uh, so <laughs> she, I, I decided to, uh, to marry a foreign uh, student, and uh, so I could leave my family and uh, escape this uh, kind of imprisonment, imprisonment. But then I fell for the wrong guy, that he wasn't good at all. So things like that happen always when you uh, marry just to, to run away, and that's not good at all. But uh, uh, people who read my book, they realize uh, how many uh, all the circumstances uh, uh, Vanna was living in her youth, in her childhood youth, and after she got married. And uh, they will learn something about from that, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, your grandmother, your maternal grandmother, spurned you, and uh, w- did she send you to an orphanage, or your m- mother and her decided to send you to an orphanage? Well, yes, because uh, uh, a child born from an unwed daughter was so shameful uh, in their society that they preferred to get rid of the child. So Vanna was sent to an orphanage until one of her aunts, rescued her and delivered her, delivered her to her mother. 
and um, and told her, okay, this is your child, you got to take care of her, you know. And, uh, and so from then on, Vanna became the living proof of her sin. Uh, before society and church, because God doesn't care a bit about these things. But uh, that was the society at that time, especially at that time anyway. So how did uh, Vanna discover her biological father? Uh, how did you discover your biological father? Because my stepfather, because my mother then married to a military man and a journalist, and when he died, he died prematurely, Vanna uh, was so distraught about his death, his passing away, that uh, was crying and crying, and um, she was uh, at her grandmother's house, home, and uh, crying uh, without stop. And uh, her grandmother got tired of it, and she said to her, okay, stop crying after all. He was not. It's your father, and your father is still alive. And from then on, uh, uh, many things happened, you know. Amazing uh, feeling, I'm sure, to discover that your father was still alive. Uh, Vanna discovers that her father is still alive. Uh, what, what can you tell us about that feeling of discovering at 13 that your father is alive? Well, actually, I discovered it when I was 10, and for three years, and I was overwhelmed. I couldn't believe it, but uh, I was going, I should have asked to my mother, but then at that time, many things happened uh, uh, my, uh, besides my mother losing her husband and uh, her um, economic support, because after that, she didn't know what to do, really. And uh, then uh, a couple of uh, uncles, were made prisoner and um, executed by the um, Germans. And then uh, um, the, the mother, my grandmother, died also. So my mother was always very, very sad. And uh, I never dared to ask my mother about my real father because I was afraid to... Uh, add more, um, more, uh, how would you say, uh, uh, more grief to her life, you know what I mean? I sensed that uh, reminding her about it would be full of uh, sad memories. So I was very young, but I felt that until, uh, because they say God uh, uses different ways uh, to get to something and Vanna uh, uh, was in a boarding school at that time and uh, the nuns read uh, her diaries and from her diaries they found out about what was going on and from then on my mother uh, found out also and uh, she agreed to find my father. You see, uh, there are so many intriguing things that happened to Vanna and Everything goes one after the other, like a chain, you know. You have a chain and every little thing attached to the other. So Vanna marries Edgar. It doesn't turn out very well. It ends in a bitter divorce, but uh, 
Vanna's a single mother of five. Now, how in the world does she take care of so many children? Obviously, she's a very determined woman and makes sure that uh, she is able to become successful in business. Now, how did she do all that? Well, uh, uh, she only said this uh, uh, way of doing things. It's like uh, jumping into the pool and, some, and then uh, learn how to swim. And that's what I did throughout my life. I jumped into whatever I had to do. I knew I had to do something. I had no idea how to do it, but I did jump into the pool and did it. It's a question of determination and perseverance. Anybody can do it, anybody. When I started my first business, I didn't even know how to write a check because until then I was not, I never owned money. My, my husband, my ex-husband never allowed me a, a checkbook or anything. I, he would pay me a monthly um, uh, something for the, the household expenses, but I never handled money. And when I was young, my father took care of everything, my mother. So I was really naive and uh, I lacked uh, a lot of experience, but my parents, my my will uh, to do something always overcome all of the uh, difficulties. Because when you want to do something, you can do it, no matter what. Giovanna, give us some of your feelings about your Catholic religion. Okay, I, I was born uh, Catholic, and uh, at 15, I abused Catholicism, and I fought religion since then. Uh, the Catholics, because I felt that uh, they ruined my mother's life with their idea of uh, making her uh, ashamed and guilt because of my uh, being born. But then, uh, in general, I am against all religions because religion uh, portrays a God which is scary to everybody. It's always ready to... Uh, punish everybody. It's always ready to be uh, unforgiving, and which is not true. God, uh, in which I believe, is uh, a force that uh, does rule and uh, make sure that uh, the world, the universe, uh, works together fine, and is supposed to be good and forgiving and uh, but uh, religions use God as a tool to put down people, to make them uh, fearful. And uh, we are not supposed to be fearful of anything because fear does paralyze people. And when you are paralyzed by fear, you don't know what to do and how to react. You are not able to react to life, to anything. You just expect to... Uh, to be punished for everything, and which is it's not right. It's not right. Uh, who was that? The president of FDR who said, fear only fear itself. And that's why I never forget that. That's very true. You cannot be fear of things. So you got to go ahead and believe that there is a force, a universal force, that will work with you. If you dare to do what you 
are sure you got to do. And uh, and that's all. My book, my book proved that. Whenever I was uh, fearful, uh, I was paralyzed. I was ne- I was not able to do a thing to make a decision to take a decision. I was practically paralyzed, and uh, it took me a long time to uh, find the solutions. But when you are not fearful. Um, you find solution much, much easier. The title of the book, Soft as Iron, the author Giovanna Lavinia, and Giovanna, as she is so well described, that we shouldn't fear. She has some messages uh, that she wants to make sure everyone knows in her book, and that is part of it. Never let fear of any kind take hold of you, she says. Uh, never allow anyone to belittle you. Be assertive. Never give in to the power of others. Always be true to yourself. You have a very positive attitude, Giovanna. We salute you for that. Thank you, Steve. You're very kind. How do we get your book, Giovanna? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, you can get my book at Amazon.com, uh, that's for sure, and uh, OtherHouseAlso.com has it. Uh, so um, you can get it. And uh, I would appreciate also if you would make a comment, uh, add a comment at Amazon, because uh, uh, I feel... Uh, that uh, whatever people tell me about the book, if they like it or not, will help me out to uh, do a better job with uh, the sequence because I'm writing another book which will be uh, the rest, uh, the reminder of my life uh, from from the 82 until now, which has been really (laughs) full of strange things also. I think think that uh, everybody has a karma and we follow this karma throughout life and uh, if we accept our karma without uh, complaining too much things are much easier well thank you very much giovanna for being with us on author talk okay also uh, i would like to say i have a website which is softesiron.com and you can go there look at some of uh, um, the book and also about you can read about uh, some uh, of my poems and short stories okay very good thank you very much steve it's been a pleasure talking to you been a pleasure talking to you that was giovanna lavinia she is the author of her book soft as iron